Welcome to the Ford on the Dawn podcast. Uh, we're discussing the terminals from Halo Anniversary. So guys, the uh, the terminals in Anniversary, um, they're the only new fictional components. It's, um, it's new because there's some fresh content to chew on. Uh, this is why I want to go over these terminals here once we have a chance. Um, so guys, um, with Anniversary, what, what, what did you guys think of the of the uh, the new content? I, I didn't think it, it took away anything from Anniversary. I was happy to see how how it fit in uh, with with the original Halo story without without getting in the way. What do you guys think? I think it was the the best format they could have used for you know a, a, a remake of the original game. I mean, there are some minor issues I have with it, but it's a great presentation, and for the most part, they managed to graft something new into an old game really well. Um, and it was, it was fun. Like it was, it was fun to see them and like get this new story or just an elaboration on what we sort of saw before. And I think like we talked about the terminals when they had shown the preview. And I think that the rest of the terminals really held up to all the expectations I had. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I really like the art used in in the terminals um oh it was a amazing really well done yeah it, it was a, a fantastic step up from the motion comics i think a lot of people expect motion comics based on the waypoint content and they they weren't they weren't they weren't motion comics but they weren't uh full 3d renders or anything it was a good compromise between the two different styles and i think they they really had an identity of their own that fit in perfectly with halo mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I'm technically they're really well done. Like, I mean, I was going through them frame by frame because even things like the chief's helmet at the the first cutscene, it's not 3D. They just did enough visual trickery to make it look like it. And so, I mean, basically the only thing in there that's 3D is Spark and I guess one or two of the forerunners that I noticed. So, I mean, they did a fantastic job with everything. I mean, it's it's a really limited set of stuff going on, but they did a whole lot with it. Mm. I want to go into the actual terminals themselves. Um, the first terminal uh, we start off with, one of, the, one of the introductory lines spoken by Spark during the, uh, the first terminal is uh, by warning or warning by order of the Ecumenic Council. That immediately ties um, the terminals to Cryptum to the expanded Forerunner culture that we learned about. And I think by immediately throwing that into into the mix, that um, it, it, it sort of it immediately sends out a bold message here. We're, we're unifying everything. Three hundred and fifty wanted to do this. They're unifying the fiction, and I think that's it. Starts off by saying, "Well, here we are. We're bringing this stuff all together now." I thought that was pretty brave of them, pretty bold of them as well. Mm-hmm. I know the first time that I watched that terminal and, and heard that line spoken, I got really happy. But speaking of that first terminal. I thought it was kind of weird that um, Spark sent out this message, then the pillar of autumn through to the to the Halo. Kind of weird because it said it lowered the defenses. What 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 defenses does the Halo have that we know of? Not we don't really know anything. And secondly, if it let the the autumn through because of the um, the human presence, why did it let the um, Covenant fleet who were there ahead of the the autumn? 
how can they were able to get through the defenses of the Halo ring? I kind of wonder how Spark sort of figures that out in part because he seems to locally, he seems to do a pretty good tap of human history from the Halo. And it's kind of weird that he ends up going back in the Maw for it, considering he seemed to get most of it, including the Chief. <laughs> remotely. Those are some nice sensors or whatever he's got. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't see the Chief. It was the way the Spartans are. Like, we don't know if that's the Chief or it's any one of the other Spartan twos. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really specify. Yeah. One thing um, I find interesting here, and again, this ties back to Krypton. There was a line that was, I must verify the presence and pitch of your gas, your gears, gas. Oh, I can't pronounce that word. Gas? Yeah, it's a gas. weird word before allowing full access that was just a weed line and the the gas is a very very important component of cryptum um i remember isaac was talking about it he has some theories concerning the, the gas and i think a lot of people have overlooked that line and its significance the fact that he says that i have to verify the presence and pitch that's mind blowing that that they they're, they're bringing that into Halo as well again. I thought that was going to be something left on, on Krypton completely, but it's like the midi chlorians in Star Wars. <laughs> it's there, and we must acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was definitely introduced in Krypton to be used as a future plot device. I think that the the whole Gaius Gaius idea is going to tie into Halo Four and the plotline of that in some way. I'm not gonna. Start throwing out any rampant speculation right now, but and the thing is, I remember you, you mentioned it to me, and I I dismissed it. I was like, no, no, it's, they're going to forget about it. Come on, I, I I wanted to forget about it. I thought that's too easy to use something like that. I thought they were just going to maybe use it for Krypton as a little plot device and then forget all about it. But this this might indicate that it might be important, more important than I would have wanted it to be. That is an interesting hint. It's one of those things I don't think we know yet what to make of it. And I'm hoping that that's going to get explained. Yeah. Um, so that brings us on, guys, on to the, the next terminal here. We don't want to focus too much on the first one. What do you guys think about Terminal 2? Well, I just got to first say that the first time I saw Terminal 2 was at Halo Fest. And they, they had this base in the um, the room they were showing it in. That, like, when when the terminal first starts and there's just that, that base noise that you can hear, it rumbled through the floor it was one of the coolest <laughs> things i got the most hardcore chills from that and then you know seeing the forerunners for the second time since legends i mean the the first time i saw this terminal it just blew my mind well and also it's it's nice because this time it's from guilty sparks point of view so we actually have a canon look at them because before it was Cortana was rampant and Frankie said, well, it doesn't necessarily have to make sense. So it was nice to actually get, yes, this is what they look like. And uh, again, the second terminal also brings in Krypton, uh, extended fiction back into another one of the Halo games. We have the Hyper Crash being mentioned uh, and the domain, the, uh, the Forerunner Super Hyper Network. Yeah. That's also mentioned. So I think I think the terminals are the way of bridging the books and something that's in the games for people because the games are always are always we get more, are always more exposed to people than the books because you can't you can't force millions of Halo fans to read but you can 
get them to watch the terminals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it was it was the proper way to blend the two. Also, we were, we're we're introduced as well to another monitor in uh, the second terminal, um, object testament, I believe, and uh, I I thought it was interesting um, that object testament was used as a counterbalance to guilty spark in terms of the general outlook that each of them had. Like object testament was pretty, well, he didn't have much to say, but what he said was, yeah, we we kind of deserve this crap. We we should be forgotten and. And and Guilty Spark wasn't as convinced. He he still had questions. I thought that was interesting that the the monitors themselves has such a diverse personality range. Mm-hmm. And it it the fact that they have so much person not just personality because we know obviously Guilty Spark had a lot of personality, but the fact that each monitor has a different personality it, it kind of some people have been throwing out the idea that the monitors were originally maybe forerunner individuals. And I would say that given everything we've seen, including the different personality of abject Testament, uh, that's very possible. Onto the, the next terminal. I think, I think actually it might be my favorite terminal outside one of the later ones, but the third terminal I thought was very interesting because it was one thing I've always wondered about. One thing that was hinted at in the extent of fiction that was the, uh, the covenant AI. I remember the, the what we've had on the Covenant AI up to this point wasn't very much. Um, it was supposed to be a dumb, stupid AI that was nowhere near advanced as uh, as Cortana or any of the other human AIs. And I think the look we got here was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Despite despite how much they downplayed its intelligence, I I do think it was quite intelligent. It was just bloody minded. You notice yeah. that? I actually I think that. I have a feeling that this terminal might tie into the second terminal in a way. Has mm. has either of you noticed that the voice for the Covenant AI sounds a lot like Abject Testament? Mm. No. <laughs> it's entirely possible because we know the the Covenant, the various Covenants, we know that they do base a lot of their stuff on Forerunner technology. So they could base their AI on one of the monitors or an AI that was present on High Charity, for example. And there's also the line that the Covenant AI says, which is, I was not made. Mm. You know, what mm. does that mean? And and if if you're going to tie that into the second terminal, and the Forerunner AIs are actually based on living, or, you know, Forerunners that were living organic beings a while ago, maybe I was not made, I was born. Mm. It's very possible, I think. Well, then just the idea, like he, the Covenant AI he gives a line of, uh, we follow the path and I am part of the stone journey swarm that serves. They will find and then I will be free, referring to the flood, which I thought that was interesting because this is, I think, the first really precise timetable for when the Covenant first found the flood. And then secondly, he it seems like he has a little bit more knowledge than the Covenant do about the Flood, and he's withholding it in order to basically let them all die so he can be free for whatever reason. There's kind of a couple different ways you could take it. He definitely wants to be free. It's weird. He wants the Covenant to fulfill their their journey, they, they, to go on this path so he can be free. He wants this to happen so he can have freedom. It's, it's a lot more nuanced than I would have given credit to the Covenant AI before this. Mm-hmm. Why I find it so interesting. Do you remember from uh, First Strike when Cortana is analyzing the Covenant AI that she finds? 
she actually says that it looked like it had been copied many times. Yeah. And that its original root coding was similar to her own. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I'm saying. It might be like I said, the the Covenant AI could have been based on an original forerunner AI that they found at one point and then made duplicates and then made duplicates of the duplicates. Mm-hmm. So you get like a second or 15 billionth generation photocopy where you can barely see the original text. Yeah, and that's backed up by Cortana finding similarities in the root coding. The Forerunner AI is based on an original Forerunner's mind. Cortana is based on an original human's mind. So yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good parallels there. And also, I, I think it was kind of interesting that they brought in Abject Testament to Terminal 2 and then just kind of dropped that completely, dropped that thread completely. Um, and then Terminal 3 kind of, it, it almost seems to stand on its own in terms of relevance to the extended fiction or the, the total universe. And I don't think that they would introduce something like that just for the sake of exploring it in one limited fashion. I think that these are probably going to tie into something else at some later point. Good thing. Good thing. All right, on to the next terminal here, since we're going to go through these terminals in order. May as well. It's a perfectly fine way to go through them. Um, on the next terminal, um, this terminal here we have Guilty Spark. Guilty Spark is the focus of the majority of them. Um, what do you guys think about Guilty Spark's uh, decline in the rampancy as shown here with these terminals, particularly this one? It's kind of, to me, it suggests that he, A, that it's surprising how he lost, relatively quickly, he lost contact with the other monitors including 2401 penitent tangent and then also so he's been skirting the edge of rampancy a lot longer than we thought mm-hmm. so do we know what actually happened to um pertinent tangent well the was it cold storage there's a containment failure report which basically says there were containment failures maintenance was requested and Penitent Tangent wasn't doing his job, and so... It kind of seems like he was rampant before the Flood actually broke out. Or even if he wasn't rampant, he just wasn't doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> we have the, the monitor as well, cold storage. Oh, uh, we have... No, we, it's not a monitor, I don't think. It's like a giant... It actually kind of reminds me of the whatever the AI in Portal is. Kind of on the. Yeah. I, you know, I have a feeling that that whole... Uh, map was a little bit inspired by or a nod to portal because even in that containment log there's references to teleportation grids and stuff like that played too much portal before he shipped that map then <laughs> i love portal it's one of my favorite <laughs> games but it's, it's so it also that's another thing where for whatever reason pennant and tangent went off the reservation sort of around the same time or even after the other monitors and the flood took over for a long time. Like I'm not sure what they were eating. One thing I want to um, bring up here is the uh, with with um, Guildsparks flickering rampancy flashes. Let's just say I do find it interesting. One of the things he said he was bored. He tried hibernating. He didn't have to do anything. He could just hibernate and think the hill would look after itself. And that happened. He tried it for like 150 years or something. He said. And I find it interesting is that he was bored. And one of the lines I think is when I look at here is. This was one of the gifts I was promised, an end to strife. I think that's very important because it, it goes back to what 
Isaac was saying that the um, that might indicate that he was he was a flesh and blood person at one point, and he was promised you become an AI. You'll not you'll never be bored. That's that's what I'm thinking when I when I hear that line. He was promised mm. this 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 different mindset from a flesh and blood corporeal being to a an eternal AI that he wouldn't be bored. And just like his actions and like sending stuff up into mm. space. Yeah, venting sections of the ring. It actually, it actually, I think this is probably just reaching, but when I heard that, the first thing I thought of was Cortana's line in Assault on the Control Room about, I wonder if they meant for the rings to have inclement weather. For all we know, it's just Guilty Spark messing with stuff because he's got nothing else to do. Hmm. <laughs> right, I think that brings us then to the next one, the next Terminal Terminal 5. I think this, this one this definitely brings a lot to the table. Yeah, this this is one that had people talking. I, I don't know. I didn't find it that that interesting. I, I I the way I seen Terminal Five is that there was other there's other life in the galaxy. Like we we are not unique as a species. The Covenant aren't unique. One of them just happened to crash land, and I don't think it's that big of a deal. But you could uh, one thing I want to tie it back to is the first terminal because of the. Uh, Defensive perimeter and fail safes and all that stuff. How come the ship managed to crash onto the halo? Like, did, did it crash because it was blown to pieces by the halo's defenses? Or, you know, there's. It's kind of weird. Mm hmm. He, he said it was a, a short range vessel, I think. Mm. Um, so it likely came from a nearby larger ship or, you know, some sort of construct. Or escape, a smaller escape ship from a larger. Yeah, room. it could have been an escape pod. Well, one of the things he says in the first terminal is that he specifically says, I have activated defenses. Um, I have deactivated defenses. It, it seems like he has a very acute control over those systems. So I think in the end, it's while he was hibernating at the time, a, a lot of uh, whatever's allowed into the ring has to be allowed in by Spark himself. And so maybe just because he was hibernating, and the systems weren't online. Yeah, well, it it says in the. I really actually love the log because it's it's the perfect blend of, of like techno speak, like how many cycles until he demotes the current interest rate on the problem. But it says a passive violation occurred, so it kind of suggests that there's a sort of holding pattern that if he's not there, things kind of just keep on going as they are, and so it's not automated like weapons or anything like that. I guess this has to be like basically fairly early on because conversations of the universe definitely says that he knew of other species. So this seems like the first ship that ever landed mm -hmm. or crashed. <laughs> I do find it interesting well that he questions his ability to adapt to the situation. He has these protocols in place to make sure it's secure. The halo ring is secure. It's safe. And he's like, I want I want to be able to do things differently. He acknowledges that I want I want to be able to do don't I'm 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 curious. You can, I think you can tell that as well. He is curious. He says that they have so many questions, so many questions to ask. And like he, he he's not content to monitor, even though it he, he ends up doing that anyway. He ends up going back to his duties. You, you you do get that sense where he just wants to wants to go out and find out more. He wants to deviate from his. Objective essential. Mm -hmm. We're moving on to sixth terminal. What do you guys think about numero six? 
Well, it had the flood in it, and I like that. <laughs> well, and to go also with your forerunner AIs are people too. Um, <laughs> he's got. He mentions. He mentions. I still struggle with multiple layers of memory of fighting the flood. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. And so, it, on one hand, is he talking about the domain and like inherited knowledge? Or is he talking about, it sounds more personal, like he was there. Yeah. And in Cryptum, Born Stellar gains the, well, not just the memories, but the, I guess, almost even the consciousness of the didact through the, uh, what is it, the Brevet, Brevet mutation. So if Spark was originally a forerunner being, what if he, he, he says multiple layers of memory. Could it possibly be from more than one individual? No wonder he goes crazy. <laughs> it's hard to say. It's also just interesting. I mean, throughout the terminals, it gets into it later, but just the library and these characters, it was nice to have the Halo 3 terminals come back in a big way and sort of flesh these characters out from a different perspective. Oh, yeah. Online uh, from Terminal 6, I, I want to just point out, because it was used to describe Halo 4, is that uh, the, the Flood was described as the Forerunner's ancient enemy. Now, I know the marketing for Halo 4 uh, has described the new threat as an ancient enemy. Maybe it would be lazy to use the Flood again as an enemy. Oh god, we defeat him once, and they're back again a couple of days later. But... Um, <laughs> Okay, no, you know what I mean, but uh, I, I find it very anticlimactic if we were fighting the Flood again. But I do see that in the terminal, it specifically says the Forerunner's Ancient Enemy. I think I think it would be absolutely brilliant if the Ancient Enemy of Halo 4 was the Flood, was the, uh, not the, flood, the, the Forerunner's Ancient Enemy of Humanity. And there was a, a different... Remember with with Krypton, we have different, um, different categories and different versions of humanity because they were split with... We were de-evolved or re-evolved into different subspecies. So what if the Halo 4 enemy is actually a version of ourselves, our, our ancestors, just a different evolutionary path that's forced upon them by the Forerunners? Wow, that's a, yeah. that would be interesting. Or, you know, it could just be Flood that didn't get wiped out. Or Flood that that evolved independently of the other flood and it came mm. back. Unfortunately, at this point, the possibilities are kind of endless. So <laughs> I do think it's, in, I do think it's interesting. Cause there's, there's wee hints here and there. We're getting so many breadcrumbs. I just want to eat a sandwich. <laughs> not eat damn breadcrumbs. And that's all we're getting. <laughs> yeah. So we're continuing the whole theme here. I think one of the things with terminals is this overarching theme of guilty sparks, mental state. And I think the seventh terminal shows you um, shows you the reaches of his sanity and his uh, his breaking point. I think Tim Didato did a great job of just like this passive aggressive thing where he's like, "Hey, you know, I've got this weapon. Might as well use it." And also just the having the monitor, like hallucinating a monitor to be friendly i actually went back and muted it and played it with a uh, queen you're my best friend going on in the background <laughs> uh additionally there's also a line where he says this is not what i had in mind when i volunteered mm. the idea of volunteering for that position yeah. and then at the same time when he says that 
you see a bunch of forerunners standing on a podium surrounded by other forerunners. Maybe that was the forerunner volunteer selection committee? I don't know. <laughs> they had a panel, interviews, you know. You have flew down in between all of them, you know, sat in a circle and how you answer questions, like what do you think about the Halos and what do you bring to this Halo installation? <laughs> Another thing that I was actually a little confused by, um, he says perhaps a visit to the nearby gas giant would be in order. Um, and at that time it shows the visual of him looking away from his Halo installation and then it seems as if it's from his perspective flying through Nebula and stuff and arriving at a gas giant at the other end of the journey, which also has a Halo installation at it. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was supposed to represent his journey to another Halo installation, or if there was just some mix-up with the visuals there and how I interpreted it. I thought it was supposed to be just the... It was supposed to be going back to... is snapping back to his view. But the end is Halo installation 04. All right. One thing I want to bring to your attention here, guys, is that um, in the in this terminal, Guilty Spark mentions the things uh, about the librarian not being able to account for all the variables, um, particularly including how bored he would be and uh, how important it would be to have someone else there. One thing I noticed I said was at the end we only have a fragment of her brilliance left to us. I'm thinking um, that could mean either two things, like maybe something happened to the librarian. That's a bit too obvious, but it might also be in relation to the domain, because they relied so much on the domain. Whenever they they shut the domain off to, they they stop the flood. Basically, they 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 lost a significant ability to to communicate and contribute ideas to each other. Maybe that's the reference to that. I was thinking it might maybe maybe it might indicate something happened to the librarian that we don't know about. That we know what happened. We know how she dies. But uh, maybe it's something else we don't know about. Or maybe it's just something as simple as the domain. Well, what's really interesting is right after that, he uses the word fragment 2, and it's he goes through this glitching thing, and I assume it's supposed to be his rampancy issue. But he... And it could just be a throwaway, like, fragment of, and he just kind of loses his train of thought and says, fragment, yes. Or is it tying into what's happening to him. Yeah. I, I, I just find it interesting that it's just that specific mention, and like you said again, with, with Spark, sort of freaking out a bit there. You're just saying all these things to get me to start throwing out more rampant speculation. I know you're doing that on purpose, Danny. Because <laughs> all that comes to mind, all that comes to mind is just all my theories about the duality of uh, the didact and the librarian and the master chief and Cortana slash Halsey. So, and fragments and Cortana's a fragment of Halsey's mind in a way, but, uh, I'm just going to stop there. Yeah. 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 Oh, like I said, I like to give people enough rope to hang themselves sometimes. <laughs> well, what you guys can't, we can't see is, is Isaac's room with like scraps of paper and connections between characters <laughs> papering the walls. It's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> Alright, we're going on to the next terminal here since we're just going through them again. Uh, we're on Terminal 8. Yeah, I like this one a lot. The effective range of a Halo 25 
thousand light years. Once again, it confirms a visual element of legends, which still leaves me with questions because it shows um, flood structures getting destroyed. And once again, like the original Halo, if you just took it on its own, it suggested it never touched the flood so much as it just killed off all the food and left it to die. Whereas this suggests, yeah, it destroys the flood, but it, it's an equal opportunity explosion. And I guess the starving has to do with any like base flood spores, but then it doesn't quite feel like you would use starve in that sentence. Mm-hmm. This has been a, a little debate I've had going for a long time. I've been struggling with kind of classifying how exactly the halo works. And, you know, Frank O'Connor told me that it was specifically, it kills anything above certain uh, cognitive cap- capability. But then, yeah, how does that fit in with Halo 1? How do they starve? It's just this whole frustrating, we get so many different conflicting statements of fact. In um, in Origins, the um, the Legends anime short, we we see the, the flashback for, for humanity's history and we see the, the fight with the Flood. And I noticed one thing with the Halo activations and that, even though like you said earlier, it was open to the visuals in that particular piece were open to the interpretation. We see whenever the halos were activated, the the floods are just got blown away by the the halo effect. And that's uh, there's all there are conflicting ideas out there of how exactly the floods are affected by the halos. So mm-hmm. uh, I I do think it'd be pretty nice if they just laid out laid out forest in a very easy to digest sort of manner, but we haven't got that. And since there's so many different there's different sources out there that do conflict, I don't think we're going to get any traction in that particular area, especially if we're moving away from the flood post Halo Three. Mm-hmm. Well, one question I've had is, would the Halo effect target that inert flood powder from Krypton? You know, if that were present in the galaxy, would that be destroyed or would that be untouched? Maybe it could be neutralized. Just render it in the literal dust. Yeah. Well, we don't. We kind of don't know how what the the shelf life of that stuff is if it's not preserved in some way. Because I get the sense that since it's such, it's an inert compound, it wouldn't get affected, but maybe it can expire over time. Yeah. I mean, it, the halo effect targets anything above certain cognitive capability, but then we see it destroying flood growth. But, the, you know, that also ties in with the grave mind. Every single cell is essentially part of this organic brain sort of compound that can harbor the intelligence of the grave mind. So at what point, where's the line drawn? You know, that's the question. Yeah. Like, maybe it wouldn't blow it away if it weren't under control of a grave mine. Yeah, maybe that. Before we, before we move on to the next terminal, the next terminal, Terminal 9 is uh, one of the, I think, one of the best ones in anniversary, and uh, it definitely deals with the flood in a different, interesting kind of way. One thing I might point out here in this terminal, uh, this is something Guilty Spark says again. Um, they quote Guilty Spark, he says, uh, he never got a chance to fully execute his proposal. We're talking about Didact here. Says he never got the chance to execute his proposal. He died had a different plan. He didn't want to use the halos. He thought it was 
sort of a last resort, and he didn't really use that method because it meant killing everything in the galaxy and helping to try and save as much of it. And uh, he said, well, the council seen to that, and there's something to go wrong. One of the halos of our tools were ever turned against us. Long plans, indeed. And um, we, we know that the Flood hijacked, well, not the Flood, one of the Forerunner AIs originally hijacked the, uh, one of the halos and set it against them. I'm wondering if that's a reference to uh, mendicant bias or if it's something heading towards something with a didact in Halo 4. Again, I, I keep thinking and seeing these things. Like, this is, it's almost like a red herring is throwing it up here because there's so many different little things here in these terminals. We'll see later on when we go through the other terminals. Little, red, uh, little references to the didact and the future and what's coming next. I wonder, are these red herrings? Mm-hmm. I think the plans that he's referring to are something that hasn't been seen yet i think yeah i get the feeling well personally i think mendicant bias is mostly done in the halo story like he's had his full tale told but he still has a little bit in primordium to come i'm pretty sure we'll well yeah something but i think it's just going to be more details into what we already know i mean his story was told he's kind of had his redemption through helping master chief in halo 3 it's already come to an end. So I don't know if that's going to show up in Halo 4, but I think it seems like it's indicating that the Didact had some plan to counter the Halos if they were ever turned against the Forerunner. It's just another interesting tie-in with what you were saying about uh, there being so much life in the galaxy in the Halo universe Mm -hmm. at the beginning of this terminal. Yeah, he spells out, what, almost 4,000 or so worlds within the Halos... Halo's effective range that there could be, well, there's ho- habitable worlds there that could sustain life. Yeah, and not only that, but he he calculates the odds of restructure after the activation of the Halo array, and the odds are pretty low. And that kind of leads me to believe that the galaxy might have actually had a lot more life before the Halo was activated, and it's only because of the Halo Array's activation that it's as barren as it is now. That's actually that's very interesting to think about. Actually, yeah, because it's not it's not odds of. I mean, it very specifically says restructure, so that's rebuilding the worlds after the array is activated. Uh, yeah, never thought of that. Cryptum does raise some questions about like where do some of what, where does the species, like the, the rest of the humanity, split into different species, like where is the rest of humanity right now? Mm-hmm. We only have ourselves. We don't have the rest. We're, what happened to the other species that were clearly described and defined as separate from us in Cryptum, you know? So, yeah, it, it, that, would, that, would, that would point that, yeah, the galaxy could have been a, a bigger, brighter, more fuller place at one point until the halos fired. Mm-hmm. And it could tie in interesting with some more human origins, I guess, and how there were so many different species that are present in our fossil record, but now there's only, you know, one and all that stuff. And then it also, it's interesting that this terminal shows uh, some sort of, I'm just going to go out and say amphibious species. Um, You see the eye kind of watching as the halo effect sweeps towards it. I actually nerded out pretty heavily on that and ended up looking at the eye structures of various creatures and it's some sort of amphibian and it's it's obviously it could have just been a space frog watching the halo fire like, what? 
I can't just accept the, sp the innocent space frog. Because if you're going through destruction, you see it through the eyes of a space frog. <laughs> I just, I just think it's cool that we're seeing some more life other than what's already been shown to us, and I, I yeah. kind of appreciated that from a zoological standpoint, I guess. Well, I'm still waiting for the canon appearance of all those dinosaurs from the E3 2000 demo or whatever. Oh, those are those are thorn beasts. Those aren't thorn beasts. They're yeah, way too those big. are the, those are the thorn beasts. Seriously? Yeah. Who said that? You know, I don't know where it's. I don't think it's ever actually been stated, but I I always thought that was just kind of an accepted fact that when they started talking about thorn beasts in the book, in the book series, that that's what it was referring to. Yeah, maybe. I always considered them or the thorn beasts smaller, like targs or pigs. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite disappointed that three four three didn't stick in rideable dinosaur creatures. <laughs> the you know, blind them. wolf thing. Yeah, blind wolves. Yeah, those two. Yeah, I, I want little creatures to ride around. Oh, that's that's proper Halo, you know. Chocobo. Alright, guys, onto the onto my favorite terminal here with keys. Yeah. Alright, uh, this 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 terminal came out of nowhere. We were following the story of Guilty Spark. All of a sudden, we get slapped really hard in the face <laughs> with this term. I thought, God, it was brilliant. Like this was in um, one of the one. Pro I know some people said the only redeeming part of the flood, uh, the, the book, was this particular um, this particular occasion, and this was like a different re different retread of of keys during this event in the original Halo game, but. I, I thought it was I thought it was powerful. So it was, it was actually probably the only terminal that actually packed an emotional punch. Isaac and I were talking earlier about how we think the flood gets the bump wrap, and that this was one of the best parts. And they added they added a lot to it too. I mean, especially with the additions of Miranda and Halsey, who was apparently hot when she was young. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually didn't think it was her at first because it, she has a slightly different appearance in the terminal than in other places we've seen her at that age. Um, but yeah, there's no mistaking that that's Halsey, and yes, she is very, uh, very fine. Leave right to the Halsey being hot. I mean, it's today. Is this supposed to be an Apocalypse Now reference? And wait, whoa, who's that? <laughs> I blame Dave. It was all me. And I mean, it's all just really cool visuals, too. I mean, the shot of him like going through like tunnel vision with all the his squad mates getting absorbed was interesting. Mm -hmm. I was really, actually really interested by the appearance of what looked like a proto-grave mind. In that flashback, did you notice that? Um, in which, in the part where they're fighting with yeah, the Marines are fighting, where the Marines are getting taken over, he's. You can actually see Marines getting taken over by the Grave Mind, which led me to that kind of threw me just because there weren't combat forms in Jenkins' head cam, so I'm kind of wondering where that takes place. If that he's seeing shots from, like the Grave Mind's mind. I wasn't sure exactly what that's supposed to be. Well, didn't uh, didn't Keys? He made it a little bit further than 
like Jenkins did. So, I mean, there could have been more combat happening after that, right? Well, but it doesn't, because in the Flood, once again, spoilers, they have Jenkins. He gets absorbed, and he, like, is explaining what's going on, because he's still aware. So it doesn't quite sound like that. But, I mean, it could just be artistic license. I, I don't know. I was still just kind of fascinated by this proto-grave mind that seemed to be actively absorbing things. It reminded me a lot of The Last Voyage of the Infinite Sucker, where the Flood Swarm was kind of interpreted artistically as one mass of just gross writhing forms. It reminded me a lot of that, but just more realized in, in the Halo visuals. Mm-hmm. Well, and in, in the Lost Voyage of the Infinite Sucker, they had lots of, like, like the pilots were all kind of strung together. They were sort of still distinct, but they were also kind of linked together. Yeah. That's an interesting um, comic to try and decipher in terms of blood biology. Well, I can't understand the narrative of that comic at all. <laughs> like, the, the middle section, like, wait, now he's infected? Like, what happened to everyone else? Yeah, it was a little jumbled. Back to the terminal. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I, I just have to say, like, mad props to Pete Stacker for the the voice acting during this part. I thought it was amazing. Like, he he really captured the emotion of the moment so well through his voice acting. Yeah, because it, it did pack that punch uh, of emotion that the other one, that none of the other terminals captured because it isn't. You really get this sense of this, this, this mind rape essentially. You know, what I mean, yeah. You, you you really get the sense. You really understand the weight of this this invading presence, and that no matter how how hard Keys fought, he he just couldn't resist. It was beyond his understanding. He couldn't even understand the thing he was trying to fight against, as it was devouring him, him as a person. His identity. I really thought that they got that through in the in the terminal. It's a very hard concept to get through to someone. I thought it was interesting how they actually gave. Um, you know, you could actually hear the grave mind speaking during the the terminal because he didn't in the book. It was just this mindless, well, not mindless, but this voiceless presence. And in the terminal, they gave it a distinct voice. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting approach because, you know, the proto-gravemind is supposed to be an undeveloped gravemind, whereas now it's speaking like the gravemind. I, I think it, it it's, once again, going back to the infinite sucker, you, um, there's another proto-gravemind there that also speaks, but it speaks in a very broken English. And it's, it's, it's also, it's not speaking itself, it's speaking through a... The host is speaking through the legate. Yeah. So it's not quite its own realized thing. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's cool because it, it, it kind of paints a more, a, a clearer picture of at what point does a proto-grave mind actually become a fully functioning grave mind because you can see the evolution of speech patterns as the form itself develops further. So in terms of speaking flood forms, you would go from the proto-grave mind that we saw in Infinite Sucker to the one 
in this terminal and then to the grave mind and whatever points might be in between. It just gives another dimension to all that poetry. That means he's really dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> he's got rhyme and meter. Oh, God. Yeah. He's really developed. Right, I think we're on now to officially the last terminal, but um, as a lot of people have found out, this is not actually the last terminal at all. Before we go on to the actual last terminal, here we have the destruction of the Halo ring at the end of Halo. And I like how the, the terminal stays into stays in with the chronology of the game, uh, the in-game events in particular as it's happening. And this terminal has, <laughs> I think, what is the, the clearest hint of uh, what we have so far for Halo 4. Like I remember before Anniversary came out, they were told that these terminals would give us some hints. And this is it. This is the this is the big hit, as it were, of hint that we're getting. What do you guys think about, about Guilty Spark? And um, he's, he's talking about what if he had some Prometheans... I think it's an interesting concept because when they talked about Prometheans and and Cryptum, you know, it it didn't really come to mind that we might possibly be seeing them in a game. And just the whole relationship between the Didact and the Librarian and the fact that they really seem to be hinting at the fact that the Didact might not actually be dead completely. Yeah, well, like I said, he's talking about, well, he wants he wants to have these Prometheans to back him up against Master Chief in his destructive ways. And he's saying, well, it would be he'd have to be here if the, if the Promethean warriors are going to be there, and the Didact would have to be there. And he's saying, without the librarian around to temper him, the librarian would calm him down, stop him on the scene. That um, the Reclaimers would prefer to fight the Flood rather than fight the Didact. And then we get the not so subtle hint, <laughs> the. Uh, Didact symbol being flashed on the screen as the stars blink out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think that's I think that's obviously a a hint. So what do you guys think about the subtlety of it? <laughs> what subtlety? <laughs> yeah. I think we'll be fighting against the Didact. I think this is this is exactly what it says it is. This is exactly what it's hinting to be. I think it's night and day obvious here, or do you think it's a red herring? It could be either. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, it's interesting. Like, I kind of, especially in the Halo 3 terminals, I kind of saw the didact as kind of the wimpy, aw, I wish that my my love would be around, oh, well. Like, he didn't, he seemed a lot more passive, and this actually, what we've been getting since then, seems to put him in a much more active role. Yeah, in Cryptum, he was definitely a very intimidating force. Now, looking back on the terminals, he doesn't, it's a lot of the context sort of beefs up what he was saying. What reasons do you think the but like let's just assume that the Didact and the Prometheans are an enemy in Halo Four. What reasons would the Forerunner have for being humanity's enemy again? Destroying the Halo, well, destroying the Ark and disabling, well, damaging the Halo array and unleashing the Flood. The Flood, I don't think the Flood are beaten. We, we destroyed the Grave Mind. Yeah, we destroyed the Flood at the Ark. Halo Wars, I hate to bring up Halo Wars because a lot of people say, oh god, not that crap. Halo Wars has shown us the Flood are out there. Yeah, They're out there where we don't know that they're there. And uh, the Halos, I, 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 might th- I think he might see the Halos are still needed. The Flood remains. And we've damaged it. 
we've damaged the, the, the there's no seventh halo now. they don't have the full galactic coverage that they did have once so we've, we've pretty much ballsed up the forerunner's backup plan and we've sort of gone talking all their technology for ourselves as well but aren't I mean, if we were supposed to be their inheritors, it seems like, to a certain extent, we should be given some slack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm trying to play the devil's advocate here, because I don't understand right now how the die that could be a possible enemy. It doesn't make sense Yeah. from the information we have now. But all these hints and stuff are saying, well, he's, he's probably the bad guy. And I was like, what? What we know now doesn't add up to him being the bad guy. It doesn't make sense. What if, uh, what if the Forerunners... Or a small group of forerunners, or whatever. Somehow, a group of forerunners comes back after a hundred thousand years, and they see that this plan that they had set for all the reclaimers following the mantle. Where have they been for a hundred thousand years? Were they off chilling in our galaxy? Well, there's there's a lot of hints that they aren't all dead. Like, oh, what was it? Even in Glasslands, one of the characters asks an engineer, um. Like, what happened to the Forerunners, or where are the Forerunners, or something. And he doesn't say, like, they're dead. He says, the engineer says, I cannot tell you. See, that's what happened. Look, the Prometheans and the Didact were leaving there, and they grabbed an engineer. Like, hey, if anyone asks where we are, make something up. <laughs> I think he promised. <laughs> in a shield world uh, with a couple of Prometheans, and they're all hiding inside there, and she happens they stumble across them and oh god now they fight what well it's like i said they could come back after a hundred thousand years and see that this very important very crucial you know plan that they set up was disregarded because for whatever reason humanity forgot it in their history or there could be some repercussions for that well does, uh, this this leaves me the only sore point i have that um according to Krypton, we have the humanity. We beat the flood before. We didn't need no stinking forerunner or anything. We beat the flood. Yeah, we 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 found some biological way to beat them by sacrificing crap loads of ourselves to them. And then again with the flood, we find with with Johnson and his magical flood cure. Remember that? Remember mm -hmm. that little thing that the, uh huh, Born syndrome and all that. Yeah, that little thing that's yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> There's. We don't need the Forerunner technology to beat the Flood. We could we could beat the Flood without it. If only Master Chief had given the data chip that had all the information on Johnson. <laughs> I know. So that means the Chief knows, but Cortana knows this. We'll go back to you and say, oh, by the way, we found another way to beat the Flood. We just forgot to tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, considering Johnson, we've proven that Johnson is immune to any sort of bullets, plasma, explosions, shrapnel, <laughs> as, as long as it's not Guilty Spark's beam. I don't think Oni could have done much to him. I always wondered if that's what the, the, the curious regenerative properties they were talking about in First Strike was supposed to be a tacit little wink and nod towards his invulnerability. I, I always took it to be that. I wonder, I wonder if Master Chief grabs some Johnson mustache hair, keeps some DNA evidence, <laughs> they fight the blood in the future, just stuff it down his, uh, his crotch plate. <laughs> Well, but now the nanobots have repurposed that, and <laughs> so it's lost anyway. <laughs> yeah, now now that that hair is in all parts of his armor, they're not getting it out. <laughs> and that's that's what's going to happen. He'll wake up, and then Johnson will be cloned in the crowd right beside him. <laughs> so we, oh, we need Johnson. We can't have a Halo without Johnson. You know, so there you go. By the way, bring back Johnson. Oh, where, where have we gone? Terminal Eleven.
Truth, lies, and protocol. Spark. Getting really annoyed at she kind of blowing up his little toy and flying off, saying he's going to use... He, he, he can use the Covenant. He recognizes that the Covenant aren't fully aware of the situation and thinks he can still use them for his, uh, his purpose of getting back at the uh, nasty Reclaimer. And Terminal 11, which is um, a prequel, as it were, to Halo 2, which sort of leads directly into Halo 2. We see, um, we see Guilty Spark pretty much doing exactly that. Before we get into the um, inconsistencies between conversations from the universe in this terminal, I just want to say that that first opening shot of Halo destroying, being blown up and tearing itself to pieces, uh, being shown from a little bit further away and a more stable camera vantage point, I, I thought that was so impressive looking. Like, we've seen Halo blowing up before, but something about seeing it from that new angle was just so cool to me. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was kind of had a disagreement with what the inconsistencies were, because, so are you basically saying that Conversations in the Universe implies he gets picked up in space by the Covenant, right? Yeah, that was how I read it. Well, I mean, it, you could, you, they could change it around, but what he says in the conversation from the universe is uh, something along the lines of, I see assistance approaching. It could refer to just the, the other Covenant ships coming in. I don't know. It could, but at the same time, you know, it shows him like almost immediately finding the threshold gas mine and then flying there himself. I don't know. There's, I don't think... Compared to the whole blowing up the Pillar of Auden and people have landed on the ring before issue, I didn't really get bothered by it. Well, I thought the terminal was... I, it was honestly probably my, fe- my second favorite terminal out of all of them because, again, it seemed to have a little bit more emotion than the other ones. And I just I love seeing the, the interactions between all the different Covenant. It, I just found it interesting that the Jackals first reaction was to actually regard guilty spark as a threat and shoot him you know it, it's a cool picture that is painted in a different way of how the the covenant all view the forerunners relics and stuff and then you see the elite come out and just slice off the jackal's arm i i, I don't think that's a representation of how the, the the jackals see the forerunner things i think it's just a reaction from a soldier, from someone in a combat situation. Like, if it was a human marine there, I think they would have done the same thing, Re- would have reacted as it was a threat. It gives us, the whole terminal gives us a reason for why there are no Kigyar rebels. <laughs> like, they were beating up the grunts, and they didn't like that, and then I guess they all got killed by Guilty Spark. <laughs> <laughs> no one else has to die except these guys. Yeah, it, it was cool to see him use that... Uh... That laser beam eye thing again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad I, with the terminals. And did they actually? I guess they must have done it. I didn't even look at the Combat Evolved Anniversary model, but they removed the single line to remove the Marathon logo. Yeah, and they removed it from the Halo logo too. It's kind of sad. Well, it, it's it's kind of interesting. You can actually still see a, a hint of it there. It's not as well defined, but yeah, it was very clearly. It's interesting because the that that represents the reclaimer symbol. That's what they was described to us in uh, Contact Harvest, and canonically speaking, it's supposed to represent 
a person holding their hands over their head. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was described that way in Contact Harvest. It took me a long time to kind of make the connection. but um, And if you look at the new design, it still works as a human form with arms reaching over their head. One thing guys see with the um, all the terminals, the end of the terminals, you get those um, forerunner symbols that pop up with the ominous music, and uh, with the um, with with waypoint, they they have this little code forerunner code section where you enter in those symbols, and you get to see the terminals again on the uh, on the waypoint, and that's whenever you enter in all those symbols or all the terminals, you unlock. 11 terminal and someone recently uh, decoded the forerunner symbols and basically they're all just substitutes for the standard alphanumeric ADZ 1D9 system that was in English so it wasn't really that complicated. One thing I find interesting is that all the terminals, those little symbols at the end, they all spell out something specific. Yeah. You get like 343GS, Spark, Blood, Earth, Demon, Array, Human, Rings, etc., etc. The second terminal, the symbols at the end of that, they spell out Halo 4, which is, hmm, a little bit of a hint, particularly considering Terminal 2 has the, um, has Guilty Spark talking about the foreigner life workers, the crash, and the, the domain, and talks about object testament. So we, we have this, again, this and connection to Halo 4 literally spelled out for us well how do you how do you think that ties into Halo 4 with specifically the stuff from that terminal it's just so damn vague <laughs> yeah that's the problem with all of this is you know there's a lot of hints being thrown out but not a lot of connections I like the references the reference to the life workers crutch as some kind of ship or location or something and uh, yeah, he calls it a, a vessel of rebirth. That's that's kind of what the life workers do. You know, they bring life, they seed life, they manipulate life. But again, it might tie back to that's where Guilty Spark, maybe as a as a person, a flesh and blood person, was reborn into his current form. Maybe mm-hmm. going along your theories. Well, it could mean many different things. I mean, obviously, there's the immediate connection of yeah repopulating the galaxy after the halo array fires or it could be something related to guilty spark and the multiple memories or rebirth into ai form or so open-ended yeah well another thing that's interesting about that terminal is that um when he is talking about the domain the history of the forerunners flashes by him in a similar fashion to how human history flashes by in the first terminal and we see a lot of things that could potentially be major events in Forerunner history. Like, there's a lot of interesting ships shown that we've never seen before. Like, what is the purpose of those ships? Why are they significant? Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> I want to know now. It's just one of the frustrating things of being so involved in a game's fiction. Yeah, I know. It's just every little bit. You're, you're drip-fed. You yeah. Something like Glasslands lands, and it's like, oh, cross so much the... They digest, and it's like, well, this is just the ramp up to the next big thing, the big explosion of, of, of awesome that's coming our way. And I want it now. I want it yesterday. On the positive side, though, at least we have Skyrim to play in the meantime. 
just had to throw that in there. Great game. Yeah, the, yeah there's a mod for Skyrim that puts the Halo rings, replaces the moons in the game with, with the Halo rings. <laughs> that's awesome. That may or may not have been played with. I guess that's probably a good point. Yeah. To end it. Skyrim. Yeah. Okay, we'll come to the end now of the Forward on the Dawn podcast, episode three. I'd like to thank Dave and Isaac for uh, recording here today with me. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, we'd love to hear. Uh, the comment page is open, and uh, we really appreciate you listening. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next time. To thank Dave and Isaac uh, for. Double I don't kill, know what overkill. <laughs> thank um, I like to thank Dave and I like to thank Isaac for coming along today and shooting the breeze with us. Mm-hmm. With us. Hey. Oh my God! I sound like an kill. Right, I'm not that. <laughs> shooting the breeze. <laughs> <laughs> to thank Isaac and Dave for coming here to the... Oh, Kill Trocity. I want to strangle all these cats. Get off me. I'd like to thank Dave and I forget your name. Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should alternate with like who closes off the podcast every... Please, every please, time. please save me I... from myself. <laughs>